0: morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter. We're looking at Revelation chapter 17 today, Uh, really getting onto the home stretch here in Revelation. We had our last sequence of seven in chapter 16, and that went by so fast, right? Just uh, one after the other, the seven bowls. Um, we we ended up having hardly any time to really talk about the last uh, three. Though I offered a little a little something to think about in terms of how things might historically line up. I think today we get to kind of take it a little bit slower. Uh, you don't have like a sequence of seven today, uh, and you have a little bit more focus just on one thing in particular. It's the focus on the great prostitute of Babylon, and and that's this is this is the question right like who is this and we've kind of talked about this a little bit here and there throughout Revel, our revelation talk so far but i mean th- this is really a, a pivotal question I mean, who is this um and people kind of come up with answers that seem to be the opposite of each other but uh, well let, let's not spoil the whole thing today we have joining us we've got pastor john lecomsky uh from southern illinois though uh, I mean, of course, the last we heard, he was sojourning in Florida. I, I'm guessing he's probably there still. But uh, good morning, brother. How are you? Where are you? <laughs>
1: you know what? Actually, no, I am. We got home last night. Oh so wow! I'm actually, <laughs> sitting here in my house, I've got my computer in front of me, so I'm not trying to fight, trying to read off of an iPad and whatever I can grab that uh, was there. So we're 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 fully set. Uh, and it feels good. good to be back in the St. Louis area. Uh, although e- I tell you what, AJ, I, I, and I know you got really nice weather where you're at to Florida, at least when we were there, pretty pretty nice in the 70s. And, <laughs> you know, sunshine, yeah. and uh, although it was getting hot, I, I think it's probably time to get out of Florida. So anyway,
0: yeah, yeah, back Yeah, I know that. Yeah, well, I thank God that's so nice to be back home and to. I mean, there's just, you know, right. No place like it. Right. But yeah, I hear you on Florida, you know, um, I, I'm reminded of the time I had spent in the Houston area and, you know, it's like, it's like fantastic. Um, you, you know, like, uh, November through, you know, early March, uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Starts get, it starts <laughs> getting really warm, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So, so good to, to hear your voice though. Um, yeah, I've been, been praying for you. Um, how, how how you been doing?
1: I, I'm great i'm I'm great. The doctor gave me thumbs up. That's how we were able to come home uh I saw a little soreness in the incision where they cut my heart out uh but uh well, they put it back in <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, uh, oh, okay so okay, okay we good, doing, good, we're good doing up, great back. uh we're pretty much back to our normal activity level uh like I say, it's still a little tender uh so don't go pushing my chest. But other than that, uh, we're, 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 yeah, just excellent. I I cannot complain. The Lord has just blessed us with a, a great abundance. So, uh, uh, and eager now to try to get a little bit back to routine, but that darn coronavirus is still gonna. As my daughter-in-law put it, she said, "Oh, this is great! You can leave the quarantine of Florida to come to the quarantine of Illinois."
0: <laughs> so, so well, I yeah. mean, you you get to choose your place of quarantine. I mean, you know, that's a that's a luxury that not everyone gets. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: but
0: but <laughs> yeah, you. so I mean, that's that's good. Thank you. thank you for the uh, update. It's an answered prayer to hear you're doing so well. Well, let, let's turn to the text here, uh, Revelation chapter 17. Um, before we discuss it really any further, would you open us up with a prayer for us, everyone listening, and for all of our brothers and sisters?
1: Yeah, and then after the prayer, can I just make a couple of kind of general comments about the book of Revelation, and we'll get into the text. Sounds good. So, so Lord, yes, yeah. Uh, there are some scriptures you give us that are crystal clear, and we rejoice as we read them, then we know exactly what you're saying. Although the truth of the matter is, even though we know what they're saying, apart from your spirit, we can never believe what they are saying. And that is that you love us and forgive us. And that no matter what we see in this life, including coronaviruses, all things that work together for our good and you have a eternal life prepared for us. But particularly in texts like this, oh Lord, we really need to turn and rely upon you because we have no idea in many instances what you're talking about. Uh, So, Lord, do open our hearts and minds to understand what is the clear message you would give us today. And thank you for the opportunity for A.J. and I to be the instruments of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, so so John, what were you what were you thinking about in terms of um, you know, by way of introduction? Okay, well here's here.
1: the thing, AJ. The, the, the next time you and I get together, we're going to do Mark, which thank God for. That.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds <Okay>. good. <laughs> I'm Sounds good. i thinking going
1: to be Mark's going to be a lot easier, uh, uh, but 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 so so this is my last chance to do Revelation with you, and it's also kind of the beginning of the end, isn't it, AJ? Wouldn't you agree? This chapter is kind of the start of yet. One more cycle, and this is going to be the last yeah. one. When we're done with this, yeah, yeah. But but here's something I wanted to share with you about the book of Revelation in general. This is from mm. the church historian Eusebius in 325 A.D. Among yeah. the rejected writings must be reckoned also the Acts of Paul, the so-called shepherd, and the Apocalypse of Peter. In addition to these, the ex- epistle of Barnabas and the so-called teaching of the apostles and besides, as I said, the apocalypse of John, if it seemed proper, which some, as I said, reject, but which others class with the accepted books. So I think people need to realize that historically speaking, there were at least some people who said this was not written by the apostle John. And therefore, as we wrestle today and in previous days and in future days as to what the meaning of of some of these things are, it could just be that this was some fevered dream of some third century Christian, <laughs> and maybe they don't mean anything. Maybe that's why they're so. Oh,
0: good. oh goodness! <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Oh, we so, <laughs> so we way, We played. Wait, wait. We played. We played. We played the uh, Antilogomena card. Huh? Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait! 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 One, one, Go one ahead, thing. No. But but uh, when you get to like this chapter. There are these things that are just so so beautiful and so true and you think oh well for the sake of this beautiful passage then maybe we do need to wrestle with all the other passages because it would it would be a shame to just throw this book out and, and and we have one of those things this is this chapter has a verse that that why would you not want to hold on to it embrace and say this is the inspired truth of god's holy spirit so uh, um, anyway, yeah, but I, I did take away, I got to thinking again. You know, we've been talking about this stuff, and maybe, maybe God's going. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> so, <laughs> so
0: anyway. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, I do. What I do appreciate about the quote from Eusebius is that uh, this was recognized even very early on in church tra- tradition yeah. as a text that is very different from the rest of the New Testament. Not in terms necessarily of the the well, how can I say this? Uh, kind, kind of the the heart of it, you know, because I think that that's ultimately yeah. why it was accepted, uh, because it is about yep. Christ ultimately, right? I mean, like the, yeah. Christ is yeah. just throughout. I mean, he really is the center of the picture, and so I think I think that's why, uh, among a couple other reasons, why it really ended up just it, you, you couldn't dislodge it really, right? Um, but. Yeah, yeah. I think Eusebius he's getting to that. This just this is not like the Gospels. It's not like Acts. It's not like any of the letters of Paul, right? It's it's really much doing its own thing. But I, the thing I think we've seen is that this this feels right at home with Zechariah and with Daniel and with um, maybe certain parts of Ezekiel. I mean, so so even if it doesn't necessarily feel like it's really so contiguous with the new Testament. It really fits in well with the old Testament. And and so I think that's kind of how we have to keep getting back to this and say, okay, if we got to look at this with our like old Testament lenses on, we got to look at this. Like we're looking at Isaiah, like the way we're looking at Zechariah um, or else we just, or else it does kind of just read what, like a crazy fever dream at times. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. It's fair to remind, uh, remind ourselves of that. well, <laughs> Let, let's see I had
1: it. Wait, go wait, ahead. Wait, 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 AJ Do you know who Marie yeah, Kondo yeah, is? Do you know who Marie Kondo? Oh gosh,
0: is? <laughs> Sparks joy, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, here's what I'm going to recommend. I think we need to treat. We need to have a, the Marie Kondo treatment of the Book of Revelation, <laughs> oh, no. because for those of I our know. listeners who don't know what Marie, who Marie Kondo is, she's a very, very popular author and, and YouTuber, and and she talks about how to organize your house. That's her thing. And so she's known famously for for how you fold T-shirts. She's got a way of folding T-shirts where you can get them all in a nice, tight little ball and get a bunch of them in your door. And, of course, her big operating principle is is get rid of everything that doesn't cause you joy. And and so my thought is, as you read the book of Revelation, keep everything that brings you joy. And there is a great thing of joy in this particular text. And the rest you can just kind of roll up like a (laughs) T-shirt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the end of that analogy really doesn't work very well, but, but keep them the joy. I, I And I think you're, I, I agree with you completely. I think there are so many wonderful things in this book that they, that you know, our forefathers said, well, you can't get rid of it. We You know, there's other books. No, we don't care. But this book, no, there's you just can't get rid of it. So I agree with you completely. No. That's why it's still yeah, in the yeah, canon. Yeah. And, and again, we got one of those great things here in this text. So I had enough of my introduction. All right, it all down? right.
0: Well, actually, so what I'd like to do, uh, we, we did this actually last time and it worked out nicely. Um, let's go ahead. I'm just going to read the whole chapter at once, go um, ahead. just so we can kind of have the whole thing in our heads. Um, and then we can start going through bit by bit. And I'm thinking that we'll, we'll want to kind of just read, um, uh, just kind of like the, the, actually it's kind of hard to separate it out too, too much. Um, uh, probably actually just we'll revisit, this the description of the woman because there's there's quite a lot of ink spent on her appearance um and as we've seen it throughout revelation the appearance of something is really significant because it's just loaded with symbolism so um yeah yeah we'll kind of start looking at some of these appearance questions here but here's just the the whole chapter so we kind of get it out there we know what we're talking about all right so here's chapter 17 english standard version of revelation Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and The blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast, that was and is not. It is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal authority to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. So this chapter is one of the greatest paradoxes because this is the chapter where the angel just takes a time out to explain everything.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, you think yeah. to
0: yourself, this should be the easiest chapter in Revelation because yeah. <laughs> the angel just tells us what everything means. There you go. He just says what it means. Don't don't marvel, John. He's laid it all out for us. And, uh, and you're kind of like you know you get the explanation and you're just left with sometimes a little bit more uh more just more questions so yeah kind of paradoxical don't you think
1: yes that's right that's what i was thinking if this is an explanation <laughs> i'm more confused than i ever was
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's uh, you get it just you get it spelled out right you know it's like hey we we know who the beast is there's no mystery she's the great yeah. sea that has dominion over the kings of the earth, done right, you know, open and close. But yeah, so no, even even the explanations. Um, th- this is this reminds me of wisdom literature. You know, like it, it has this this um this way of it where it's like if you're already initiated, it can take you deeper into the wisdom and the mysteries. But <laughs> if you're not, it's just more confusing, right? So I mean, there 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 yeah. there's I think the paradox that you kind of have to have a certain amount already figured out otherwise it, the explanation's kind of you know it makes you even worse off but uh all right l- l- one thing at a time though one thing you know, at a time though
1: and, and and along that same line you you know I, you, you probably know Hank Hanagraf and, and and he's written about this and, and he makes an interesting point that maybe to the readers of the day maybe this all would have made sense maybe they would have known all the references that are being made and then that's part of the problem that we're just we've got this cultural gap and and so these things are confusing uh but they would have been confusing to the original readers they would have known the connections to the roman empire uh i mean i actually don't buy that (laughs) because it's not like we don't know anything about the history of rome and everything and and yet you know people do all kinds of things trying to line up the kings that were mentioned here with the roman yeah. uh, emperors and and something, thinking, yeah, yeah well, maybe Hank, but no, I think it was probably confusing to the people who read it at first too, but <laughs> there you go uh
0: well that's that that's a that's a good point to raise i I think I'm actually of the mind that they would have gotten it we We recall that the the introductions earlier on in the first few chapters you know this this is written to the the angels of the seven churches in Asia Minor, right, so the pastors yes. And, and I think especially because they were living in these times and because there were these pastors who were right there in the thick of it, but also uh, trained and, and educated in the rest, I, I feel like they would have gotten this stuff. And, and part of the reason is I've done a fair bit of reading here throughout this study, and it's amazing how much disagreement we have uh, historically, just trying to like look at what the yeah. historians say over just basic questions like, did Nero actually persecute Christians? Right. And, and like you find yeah. like really top notch hit- level historians who just fundamentally disagree on questions like that. Right. Uh, so and, and then right. Even if even if there was a persecution under Nero or later Domitian, his younger brother, or well, I guess the younger brother of Titus. Um, it's like, what did that dom- what did that Domitian persecution look like? on a day-to-day basis, right? Was it rounding up the Christians, like going door to door? Was it like, you know, pound, you know, pounding the door? Hey, you better sign this document. And if you do, you're off the hook. If not, we throw you in prison. Was it more like, you know, they were handing out like bread and money basically at the temples of the imperial cult. And so if you didn't join, you were just missing out on a lot, which made life hard, but you weren't being hunted. Like there's lots of possibilities and the historians just don't agree. So I, I think that for that reason, it's Really likely that this would have made a lot of sense um, in the time when you just were living through it and like you just knew what was going on. Whereas we, it's amazing for all of our education and knowledge, we, we, we have a, str- a hard time just trying to answer basic questions about the historical reality of the time.
1: Well, and, and, and the problem is, uh, especially when you deal with persecution, it is because there isn't one set pattern. Uh, You know, there there are individual instances of where particular communities, there was horrible persecution. There there were other instances, I know I was reading, uh, we just finished the history by the Roman Empire, and, and, and the author was saying there were instances where they would actually take you in as a Christian, throw you in jail and say, you know, we really don't want to persecute you, we don't want to kill you. Uh, right. Why can't you just say <laughs> just, just you know, we, we don't really believe that you you worship the emperor, but if you just say it, we'll let you go. Uh, and then you, right. know, you have like the mission where, where there is evidence that this was a, a you know, a, a, an empire wide persecution of Christians. But, but you're right. Uh, that's it. Uh, well, you know, I, you know, the history I learned when I was in high school about the United States is not the history that's being taught to people today about the United States. Right. I learned that that, uh, uh, Columbus was the greatest guy there ever was. And and now (laughs) we just got through listening to a lecture that said he was pretty much a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Right. Lied about everything he found and, and, uh, you know, misled people. So we can't even get our own history straight. So you may have a point there, AJ, that maybe for the people back then, the, the things would have lined up a lot easier than they do for us
0: yeah it it's it's a challenging thing for us to be sure but we will we'll endeavor endeavor to do our best here let's um let's go ahead let just look at a little bit here before we we have our break because our break's coming up already in maybe like just less than three minutes already Okay. Um, but so the description we we have this vision right he's 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 uh you know transported in the spirit by this angel and he sees this this great prostitute is is the term right yeah. um which which we'll assume means that um that she was very prostitute um and, and not uh, <laughs> other senses of the word great there but so so she's there and she's seen and and it's it's a little bit ambiguous cuz on the one hand it says that she's seated on many waters um and on the yeah. other hand it says as as it says in verse 1 and on the other hand it says though that she's um seated on a scarlet beast right? So it, it's kind of ambiguous. What is she on the water? Is she on the beast? Is she on the beast in the water? You know, so, um, but in any case, like she, she's, she's on top of the, the, the sea or this beast. And there is this, uh, this kind of sense of adultery allegiance. So it, it's not just that like, she's, um, I mean, even, even, the, even the symbol of adultery, right. Um, as, as a, as a prostitute. So whatever is going on, whatever this figure is, who is said to be a city, she has uh, this kind of adulterous relationship with the seas and the beast, right?
1: Right. Um, And and, and the one thing that uh, Lemsky points out that I I just find amusing, and again, because the English just confuses it, because really all the words here that have to do with uh, prostitution and sexual immorality. They're all essentially the same Greek word. And it just really, whatever this is, she is the whore. She isn't yeah. the great whore who, who commits whore, whore, whoredom. And with the one whose whoredom the dwellers of earth have become drunk. And she is the mother uh, of all the impurities of, of whoredom. <laughs> and she is right. that one, the great mother of whoredom. So I mean by changing the, the words, which we love to do, that's what your teacher taught you. Don't use the same word. But somehow I think we hear yeah. the Greek here that this 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 is a whore. This is a whore like you've never seen a whore before, which makes us wrestle with well, what is a whore? And and what would this possibly be representing on a spiritual dimension?
2: So
0: Right. That, that's really okay, so that's a that's a very, very good point that you you have right. In the in the Greek it's just it's borne. It's literally the word yeah. that we get porn or pornography from um and it's just the the word that's used again and again and and right with the Old Testament right like we're talking at the beginning of the hour, our old testament lenses on what what does that mean well, it, it basically means anything outside of faithfulness to one's spouse right exactly. so i mean it it, it could be anything I mean, it could it could be adultery of a of a married woman it could be um, an unmarried woman, or, or I mean, an un- unmarried person, right, of, of any kind, you could refer to, but in this case, we're talking about a woman in the symbol here, um, you know, um, having relations before marriage, um, you, you could be talking about like an improper kind of relationship. So there's a lot of different things it could cover, but it really is a very general term. The point, right, is just it's anything short of faithfulness and and i think that's going to be really key we got to take our break here but everybody hang on we're looking at revelation chapter 17 here on nice strong word we'll be right back Websites selling binary options claim they are low-cost, high-reward investments. What they don't tell you is that binary options are high-risk bets where the odds are stacked against you, that withdrawing money is often almost impossible, and the representatives will contact you with intense sales tactics or even threats. Protect yourself. Don't let anyone pressure you into making investments or quick decisions. Visit MissouriProtectsInvestors.com to learn more. Paid for by the Missouri Secretary of State's Investor Education and Protection Fund.
2: Hello. This is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're looking at Revelation chapter 17 today. Uh, the, the the great prostitute, right? The um, or as um, uh, Pastor Lukomsky was just reminding us, the old King James, right? You know, uh, the the great whore, right? Is, is the term that's used? Uh, but you know, all all these words, right? Well, the the focus is not so much like, oh, this is like a really you know bad and improper woman, right? Like where this is some kind of misogyny patriarchy thing going on here uh the, the point here um is that there, there's there's supposed to be actually a relationship a right relationship um uh, but that's not happening and, and this is going to help us figure out exactly who this is um because we we have to answer the question who is uh this this woman babylon who is she? This is the question we're looking at today, really, uh, with our guest, Pastor John Lecumsky from Southern Illinois, recently returned to Southern Illinois yeah. and doing uh, better by God's grace. If you have a question for me or Pastor Lukomsky, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Also, you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. And the helpful people at KFuo Radio will relay those questions on over to me. Uh, just before the break, we were kind of we we're just focusing just on this this idea, right, about what the word is. We saw that the Greek word is 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 borne, is um what we were reminded of by Pastor Lekomsky. Um And so, right, thinking it from that Old Testament perspective, who is this woman so sup- supposed to be faithful to, right? And and then how is she not? And and, and I think when you when you think about it in those terms i honestly believe it becomes abundantly clear who this who this woman is because who who so who is she committing this um sexual immorality with well with with the the, the kings um of, of the earth it says right and with the beast um the, the beast referring to the species who's who's been uh who emerged from the sea okay so both from sea and and earth land right all these different people, but not with the person who she's supposed to be faithful to. And so, I mean, who are who are we talking about? Like who is this city who is not supposed to be in league with the kings of the earth and with the, the nations of the sea, right? It says there that it says actually it just says it right there, um, like the nations, right? Equating that with the waters. And where where was that in that, that verse I think we said it right there? It was right, uh...
1: right, and that's... That was the one thing that is clear, because at the end, then, it tells us what the many waters is, and that's all the, all the people, all the people who— That's right, that's right,
0: yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're at the end. So, right, so who is not supposed to be, right? Yeah, it says they're right, in uh, verse 15, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. So who is not supposed to be in league with all the peoples, the multitudes, the nations, and the languages? There's only one answer. It's, it's God's people, Israel. Uh, that that's my take. What 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 do you think, John?
1: Okay, I uh, I I need to make a quick plug here for my uh, uh stepson Tim Tim Shaco, by the way. I needed to say that 2 weeks ago. Tim by the way did a whole series of sermons on the Book of Revelation and so he sent me all his notes and everything. So I thank him for his uh, you know kind of giving me a summary of what uh, different commentators have said uh, uh, and and what you've said is is the approach of a lot of commentators. And it's done on the basis of the Old Testament. That's what you said, right? You were starting with the Old Testament, and usually the whore uh, in the Old Testament is Israel, although there's a couple of passages where uh, there are other nations uh, that are referred to as being whores. Um, but, but, see, I've read other commentators that say, no, no, that, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's too limited. Uh, um, the one thing, though, that, that struck me, A.J., in terms of things that have clarity— It seems like whenever Mm. you get the evil and the devil, they they love to mock what is real and true about God. And and of course, Mm -hmm. when you start talking about the whore, you certainly have to be thinking about the bride of Christ. And and Mm -hmm. what a contrast, because the bride of Christ is pure, the bride of Christ is holy. Faithfulness is the word you used earlier, A.J., and I think you're right. I think faithfulness is is the key thing here. Uh, And in contrast to this, now we have something that is just the opposite. Something that is totally unfaithful. And I, I agree with you. I, I think that's an approach that this is talking about. The people who who should have been faithful to the Lord and, and they weren't. And they 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 became whores. Right. They they, they worshipped other gods and other idols. And and uh, so that's that's certainly a possible interpretation of what's going on here. Right. Well, I
0: mean, I think we've seen it before, too, in Revelation. And we, and we actually have a question on the phone, so I want to turn to that. Um, but just okay. closing off the, the, the thought before we return to it for a second. We've seen this before, and it was back in chapter 11, where in that chapter— I mean, it's a clear reference to Jerusalem. You, you have to understand it to be Jerusalem, where the two witnesses show up, and the two witnesses, it says their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city. Um, it's symbolically called Sodom and Egypt, right? So there, yeah. right, um, Jerusalem is being called Sodom and Egypt and yet later on right in revelation um i think this was back in chapter where was it 14 right um, then jerusalem is called mount zion right so there are this is, this is a tale of two cities this is a tale of two jerusalems there is a jerusalem the faithful which is the church and there is a jerusalem the adulterous um w- which is called babylon and which is really embodied all the—we we, got to remember this. What did it say in the introduction, right? This was back in, like, Revelation chapter 2, and I'm, I'm just going to stop and go to the phone here. Um, what it would say, there is a synagogue of Satan, the people who say that they are Jews, but they are not. That's the perspective right. of Revelation that what makes you a member of the people of God is faith in Christ, and there are a lot of pretenders, as you were just saying, people who mock and imitate the Bride of Christ. Okay, enough of me. Uh, We have a question on the phone, if our brother James has been patient enough. Um, James, I know you sent in some questions via email, and yeah, yeah, tell us us more about what you're thinking there, brother.
2: Yeah, I wanted to elaborate on them, but I actually wanted to make sure I called in to uh, say hello to uh, our good pastor, yeah. yeah James uh, good to talk to you yeah God bless you, may your tribe increase um thank you i like to I'd like to ask uh two questions and the first one to uh uh good pastor because I want to wrestle okay. with the basics on these okay ah, uh, yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at the end of verse six, it says, "I wonder with great admiration." And so, I like to know, Pastor Lachomsky, is there a distinction between marvel and fear, and why marvel at evil instead of fearing it? And no, I'm, I'm going to look that word up.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> the word means to be astonished. Uh, that's a good question. Why would he be astonished yes. at this? Um, yes, but as you're right, it's not fear. He's not fear. But 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 I you know I think the thing is that why you wouldn't have fear here is because you got an angel right next to you. You know what I mean, James? Okay. If I have the Lord Jesus stand right next to me. In fact, isn't that what John says? But there's no fear. A perfect love casts out fear. But but I think he would still marvel at this and say, Wow, how could something be so whorish I can't even believe something could be this horrible and terrible. So maybe that's why the word marvel is used there rather than the word fear, Uh, because, no, John's not afraid of this. He knows. He knows what we're going to have. If we don't get to this, AJ, we have failed this business about who's king of kings and lord of lords. (laughs) Okay. So if I know who's king of kings and lord of lords, I don't need to be afraid of anything. But boy, when I see how wicked and evil things can be, I do marvel, James. I do marvel. How could anything be that evil and that wicked? So that would be my that would be my thought.
2: Okay, yeah. okay, that's good. And and by having Pastor AJ here, I know he has his uh, background in study of, of words. I like yes, to know if the righteous, you know, if the righteous envy the power of the evil in those verses uh four through six. When they are they kind of envying the the hmm. power of the evil and, and I'll I'll hang up and listen and I, I really do appreciate yeah. the way you approach the Bible with your uh background with the studying words.
0: Yeah, yeah, you bet, James. Thanks thanks for the questions. Appreciate it. Um yeah, you know, it is interesting. There is we didn't talk about this. The the woman this is actually I think I I believe and we're we're gonna have if uh if our brother can if next caller here, um, can have a little bit of patience. Uh, he, he has a, a little bit of a different take and that's fine. And we can, um, it's a good thing that we have different perspectives and we're all, you know, brothers and sisters in the love of Christ here. So we can, we can express those things. Um, <clears throat> but I believe this is yet another explanation or another feature that supports identification with Jerusalem, right? She's arrayed in what? Purple and scarlet. I mean, that combination very rarely occurs in scripture. And when it does, it's talking about the high priest, I mean, like go to the Old Testament, where does purple and scarlet occur together? It's when you're talking about the garments and, and the and the fabrics that are inside the temple sanctuary um, that that are worn by the high priest, right? I, I mean, I mean, that's the idea. Um, and you got like gold and jewels and pearls, pearls and all the rest. I mean, we're talking about the temple and the priesthood. Um, which which is what makes this all the scarier and just um, to, to James's point. I, I think that's really what's going on. what when he marvels, I think he's like beside himself. I think he's, I mean, kind of kind of like what you were saying, John. Like, I think it's like, I don't think it's envy. I think it's like literally, oh my God, how could she do this? Yeah. How how could yeah. she how could she allow this to happen? The 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 holy things of God, the priesthood, how could she? I mean, just giving this over to the Romans and giving this over to the nations? And these these people who have risen up in the land, like just, I mean, how can she just be so blasphemous like this, right? I mean, I think that's what the where Marvel is really getting at. I think I think he's beside himself. I I think he's just uh, so. I don't think it's envy actually here, and and I and I think that's important um, because of the broader message, which is as John John was saying, you know, this is uh, Jesus is Lord. uh, You know, brothers and sisters who are facing persecution, perhaps under Domitian. Don't be, don't be dismayed. Don't be, don't be scared. Don't be frightened. Yeah, other people have all this power, and outwardly it looks like all this stuff is going well for them. But you have something far greater. You know, they, they, this only is going to last a short little while. Um, hold up under the, you know, the, well, the the thrust of it.
1: And 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 AJ, don't you think? I mean, that's the point of the war. That's the point of how she's so beautifully arrayed, the intent is that you would be envious. The intent is that you, oh, man, I wish I had all of this. But but you're sure. right, when you get to the end of the story, you realize, well, you don't want all this, because all this is just going to end up getting destroyed. In fact, the very evil that tempts you with this is going to yeah. turn around and burn it all up. Yeah. No, 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 you, yep. you need something different, and we have something different. That's the cool thing.
0: Right. Well, and, and just think of all the descriptions, too, of course, of like the heavenly Jerusalem, Puts the horde to shame, sure. absolutely. All right, so uh, if we have uh, our brother still on the phone, we had Larry calling calling in to offer uh, a little bit of a different take on some things. So, uh, brother, thank you for your patience. So what are you thinking?
2: Good morning, pastors. <clears throat> can you hear me?
0: Morning. Good yep, morning. We can hear you loud and clear. Good, good morning. Okay. What All what right. you got for us today on Revelation 17?
2: Any good encyclopedia will name the seven hills on which the city of Rome is built revelation 177 daniel talks about rome is built between two seas daniel 1145 the antichrist is mentioned in daniel revelation and first and second john so we know it can't be any secular ruler as he sits in the place of god in the greek the word anti has two meanings against or in place of the papacy sets mm-hmm. itself up here on earth as the place of God. So I look at the woman as the idolatry of the papacy. Those are my comments.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And,
1: Thank and, you, and Larry. You know, and I think that— That's a, a very Lutheran, you know, with yeah. that, that was <laughs> that's often right. the interpretation that was given. And and, and see, that's the problem here, Aj. You were talking about how the people would have understood it. Uh, and, yeah. and I think people would have understood it in terms of the Roman Empire, because, I mean, right. the Roman Empire claimed to be God. Caesar did not just rule as a great earthly leader. He ruled as right. the one who was divinely appointed. Uh, but, see, that, that that trend continues throughout history. And then you have the Pope claiming that he is the vicar of Christ and that he absolutely has control. And, of course, well, that's a problem, but... Uh, um, you know, it, it's not like this comes and it's over with with the Roman Empire. The devil just keeps coming back again and again uh, with right. his enticements, with these things that are supposed to make us envious. Um, yeah. Right. So.
0: Yeah, no, I know, and you're I, right. I was about to say the same thing, right? You know, Larry, you're you're not the first Lutheran to to interpret it that way, and you know, so like, f- fair enough, right? Uh, I think I think Luther would would probably nod, and well, he wouldn't nod, right? He would he would shout and smack the table in, in loud agreement, right? Um, yeah, no, yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's totally a valid interpretation in the way that john was just you were just explaining brother that it, it fits the pattern right i mean that, that you know the meaning that we're talking about this is this is what it would have meant you know when it was first received you know those seven churches in asia minor you know and pergamum and thyatira and the rest right um that, that's the meaning that they would have understood perhaps but yeah in later centuries applying this to our own situations that's totally how they applied it because it fit the bill uh, the one thing I want to really focus on what Larry just said, though, he mentioned some things that particularly point to Rome, and he mentioned, for instance, right, the seven hills, um, mm-hmm. and, and that I think is is pretty significant here, right? It says there because we saw this; it was in verse. Where was it here? Because um, she seated it says over, and this is the funny thing, right? It says she seated over uh, the waters, but then it says she seated on the beast right and then it says um in verse nine this calls for a mind with wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated they are also seven kings five of whom have fallen one is the other has not yet come and when he does come he must remain only a little while i I do agree on ambiguous references to rome um and i Think for that reason some people say oh well it must be as the city of rome is in the Roman Empire. i mean makes sense right you know i think that is actually the, the reason why she's called an adulteress or a sexually immoral because she's having the affair with rome and that when we understand that she's seated on the beast or over the waters right to be a, this is like you know pg here but i, I think this is actually a little bit of uh there's a little overtone there um so i i think she's having the with the seven hills as larry just said which refers to rome um she's having the affair with the seven uh kings who are actually the seven caesars i mean it's amazing how well that lines up i mean like right and um Oh my goodness, kinda not remember them off the top of my head. That would be impressive. I don't think I can pull it off though. <laughs> uh I mean it's like what well, you have like you have, you know, uh there's Caesar Augustus, right? And then somewhere in there we get uh Tiberius and uh yeah, see I'm not gonna be able to do it. Nero Nero's the fifth, right? John, do you remember the other the other two? I always I always forget oh. them.
1: See uh, if I had if uh, I had I my know, I, that's, that's my stepson's notes actually had all those emperors listed out, but I don't have that in front of me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, 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 no. It's okay. Like w-
0: w- Wikipedia uh, is our is our is our friend, right? So, um, yeah. but but yeah. So no, so you go through those you go through those five, right? And and you actually get so it's a it's Augustus, Tiberius. Okay, there it is. Like I always forget these two, Caligula and Claudius, right? Um, and then Nero. Yeah. So those are those are the five that seem to have uh, fallen, and then you get uh, one who is Vespasian, who um, he was there like leading the war effort against Judah. I mean, he's there just uh, destroying things in Galilee um, and and then in the northern parts of, of Judah as he gets closer and closer to the city of Jerusalem. So he's there, but he's not yet crowned emperor yet. And then the one who's about to be for a short time—that's his son Titus, who's only going to be Caesar for two years. Right. And then uh, yep. it says, I mean, check this out. I mean, I just, I, I understand that there's a lot of people who like, who shy away from, hey, you can't just map this stuff onto these things. But man, I, I have a hard time not doing it. We're here anyway, historically. Yeah. In verse 11, right? As for the beast that was and is not, I mean, I, I think that's a reference to how Nero committed suicide. And then there was this civil war where there wasn't a clear Caesar for one year. Um, it was just a disaster. Um, it is an eighth, it says but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. So who's the eighth emperor in this train? It's Domitian, who the Church has traditionally understood as the emperor at the time that Revelation was written. I mean, that's the traditional understanding. You go back to the the people uh, who—the Christians who wrote about this um, in, like, the second century, the third century, the fourth century, right? They understood this to be something that John wrote to the Christians who are suffering under Domitian, as a way of encouraging them, right? And I think that's the logic of this whole thing, because John's saying, hey, look, guys, look, let me un- let me take the veil off here. Let me uncover the veil, show you the spiritual perspective. See, all the terrible things that happened in our recent past that just happened, right? All that terrible stuff with Nero, right? All that terrible stuff with Vespasian and Titus, how they destroyed Jerusalem, how they destroyed the temple. Through all that, God... Kept us safe. He took care of us. He spared us. He got us out of there. He, he, he. Even when we, when we did die, and those two witnesses were killed in the streets of Jerusalem. Right. He still he took them to be with himself. He still blessed their work. He called many to repentance. I mean, this whole book is just showing how. Hey, look, the terrible things of our recent past. God was in control. God blessed us. God took care of us, and He's gonna take care of us now. No matter how bad it gets with Domitian, you know. And Domitian was, it seems, by all accounts, worse towards the Christians than any of the emperors prior to him. Uh, but he, yeah, there, there's the uh, message, right? Hey, look, if God saw us through all that, he's going to see us through Domitian. This eighth is going to die just like the seven before him.
1: And, and, and you know, what's cool when you know the history is just at that moment when you thought this is going to be it, you know, we've never seen persecution. Like you say, there's, persecution comes and goes in the early years. But under the mission, right. it was the first time that it was emperor empire wide, and then right. what happens is the whole Roman Empire becomes Christian. <laughs> yeah, right, right, and, and, and yet there will be one. There will be one further uh, emperor after. That 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 will try to bring back in the persecution and everything, but no, it's too late. <laughs> Christianity has right. become widespread. Everybody, uh, that's not gonna. So he, I think he only right. reigns for one one or two years, and he's gone and out of there. So so yeah, right. I, I I I mean, yeah, but but see, that's the beautiful thing. Here, here's the verse. I want to read the verse. I get to read the verse. Okay. Okay. And we're told that okay, all these forces, <laughs> whether they're Roman emperors or other kings, they all come together. They have one mind. And they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They make war on the lamb. And see, that's the thing. They thought they were making war on Christians. But they're not making war on Christians. They're making war on that's Christ, right. right? What did What did Jesus say to, to Paul, 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 or Saul, Saul? Why do you persecute me? God. And, and me, of course, we know me. how that's going to end up. The lamb will conquer them for he is Lord of lords and King of kings and those with him. Uh, are called and chosen and faithful and so uh, that's my marie kondo moment i I'll, I'll keep the whole book for that one verse
0: uh, <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah well i right. personally I we so we read words. we read through we read through chapter 17 here and i i i felt sparks of joy at every single verse yes. so i i i think we should just keep all of it just cuz <laughs> i think it's all just awesome um, but, 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 but wouldn't you agree, I, they,
1: you want to keep all of these things, because you know that's yeah. what's going to happen.
2: Well, no matter well, how, yeah, because they, they how all,
1: powerful, how yeah. many hills you're sitting on, no, no, it's a, it's a battle with the Lamb, and the Lamb wins. That's right. That's that's how it works. Well, yeah,
0: no, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's because of the centrality of Christ, right? And just like you were saying, I mean, I, I thought you put it just beautifully there, right? I mean, even though things seem bad or under Domitian, what's going to happen is that Christianity is going to conquer the Roman Empire. And, and the crazy yeah. thing about it is that they're not we're, we didn't conquer it with swords, right? I mean, I mean no. that was the thing. Christ no. told us to put the swords away. Um, he, he said, you're not going to be using swords. You're going to be using nets. You're going to be using the nets, right, to, to be the fishers yeah. of people, of men. Um, and, and that net is the gospel, right? The, the the gospel net that captures 153 fish, right? As John records, you know, I think there's lots of connections and that's just one of them, um, to the gospel of John. I, I think that, yeah, absolutely. The idea is that Christ does come and he conquers. And so we're going to get there. We're going to get there with the rider on the white horse and the thousand years and all the rest oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I do, and I do think that it, that is fulfilled in a big way. Um, I mean, through through the rise of Christianity, and that was seen very visibly with Constantine, and uh, of course, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think to Larry's point, uh, there there seems to be almost like a, a a second exile, a second Babylonian captivity, as as Luther called it, with the, with the papacy. So you know, yeah. there there's kind of further chapters to be written here. But at least in the short term, I I just feel like this is just—it just stands like it was fulfilled. You know, I think about maybe like a year or two after this was written, um, Domitian, uh, his reign ended. Um, He was assassinated, Um, Some, you know, just like many of the Roman Caesars were assassinated. Um, And, you know, Rome continued on as it it had um, for—in some ways in some time. But just as you were saying, John, like Christianity kept growing and taking things over— um, we only have a little bit of time here. Uh, is there anything else you know, maybe for the last two or three minutes you're focused on in, in yeah, this I, well, I just
1: wanted to throw out a comment that I really appreciated from the, uh, uh, the author, Lenski, because uh, cause the beautiful thing is he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And, and Lenski raised the issue, well, who are the lords that he's Lord of and who are the kings he's king of? Obviously not yeah. the ten kings we're talking about here. No, no, no. Yeah. He points out that that it's us right? Yeah. We are a royal that generation. We're royal people. We we are the lords. We are the kings. It doesn't seem like it. When I was laying on my back in the hospital there, not knowing whether I was going to live or die, I didn't feel like a king or a lord. But I, I literally was, wasn't I? Because there, there was no losing there. If I had died, I'd be having a lot more fun than I'm having now, and I'm having a lot of fun right now. <laughs> so yeah yeah we're talking
0: about revelation there's not anything that's more fun than that i mean yeah. uh yeah no I, I i like what you're saying though right i mean it's you know yeah 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 they, they, they seem like kings right but their power what it's it's only for one hour right yeah. and, and just yeah. just for the sake of completeness i will just suggest that this refers to the the there, there was a government that was established in Judah when they rebelled in AD 66, this provisional government. Um, and there were a bunch of leaders. Um, I don't know if it was exactly 10, but actually might have been, may have been close to that, because um, it says here there's kings in the land, right? And the thing mm-hmm. was, in a lot of ways, there was a lot of suspicion that these guys were ultimately in league with Rome. Um, a lot of the leaders, including—man, we haven't talked about this guy specifically, but um, his, his name is um, Ananias, Ben-Ananias— um, who is literally, um, yeah, related to the Ananias that um, ordered that our Lord be executed, right? I mean, this guy is just horrendous. Um, who also ordered the execution of James. Um, so, I mean, there are guys like him who are in this provisional government who are literally saying, "Hey, let's go back to Rome. Let's make peace with Rome," right? So, I, I do think that actually you can easily see that, yeah, there's, there's a, you know, there's people here who are in the land, you know, fellow Jews who they they want to have the power they're like oh yeah let's have power let's ha- let's have peace let's let's make friends with the beast right um yeah, and they're yeah. they're just as adulterous as, as as the as the woman right but it's just as you were saying all that power is going to last for one year cuz it's all going to come crashing down in 80 70 um when when uh, Vespasian assumes the throne and sends his son to finish what he started Uh, But in in all of that, we have the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly temple, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. And we keep getting back to that. Like, you have the heavenly Jerusalem. Why would you settle for something so subpar like this? Maybe just 10 or 15 seconds here, concluding thought for us today, brother.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there it is. The Lamb will conquer. And we've had that throughout the whole book, isn't it? The one who conquers. Uh, uh, that started us out, the one who conquers. It said over and over again in the letters, and now you know the one who conquers. It, it's the Lamb and those who, who have faith in the Lamb.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you so much, brother. God bless you, and looking forward to having you on again really soon with Mark.
1: Yep, looking forward to that.
0: Everybody, that was Pastor John Lukomsky from Southern Illinois. Till next time, I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa peace.
2: You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.